Welcome to Raise the Line with Osmosis.org, seeking solutions with leading experts on how to increase healthcare capacity so people can get the care they need during the COVID-19 crisis and beyond. Hi, I'm Jonna Emil, and today on Raise the Line, I'm happy to be joined by Joan Rich and John Smith Cafez. Dr. Rich is the Vice President of the School of Nursing, and Dr. Smith is the Vice President and Executive Director of Nursing at Rasmussen University. Dr. Rich is responsible for opening, growing, and expanding the nursing campuses and programs, while Dr. Smith is responsible for operational and teaching and learning arms of the School of Nursing. Thanks so much for being with us today. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. So we normally like to start with having our guests to share some of their backgrounds and career highlights. So John, do you want to start first? Here, John, I'm happy to. And uh, this is a good way to start because as you mentioned, I'm sort of the yin to Jones Yang. She is, she is the, she's spectacular and uh, really is the brains behind so much of what we do here at the institution, at our university. Uh, and I get to go along. So as a matter of fact, I was kind of laughing, thinking to myself, to your listeners, you know, life is funny, the direction that it takes you sometime. And I grew up the son of a physician thinking to myself, I'm going to get as far away from medicine as I possibly can. And uh, sometimes life has a different uh, direction and an acute sense of humor. But uh, I ended up in higher education after being an entrepreneur, have taught, have coached, and have spent time in administration. And uh, I actually got a chance to partner up with Dr. Rich here about seven years ago. So I've been here at the institution, at the university for about 10 years. But a number of years ago, our institution decided, like most institutions do, we really need to focus on having a curriculum and an academic direction. And so I have been the benefactor of being teamed up with Dr. Rich for the last number of years. And I'm just pleased to be here today. Well, fantastic. I'm happy to have you. And what a fantastic segue into Joan. Can we kind of talk about what your healthcare interest is and some of what you do at Rasmussen? I'd love to. Yes. And I always loved healthcare. I started out as a hospital volunteer as a teenager. And then I went into nursing. I knew I wanted to be a nurse and got my bachelor's. And then I worked in a practice setting in newborn intensive care, pediatric intensive care, and the emergency department. So I evidently, I like that high-paced environment, which is good because that's what Rasmussen University is all about. We go fast and furious, but we're very excited in all the innovations we are able to do. I've always loved pediatrics and had the opportunity to get my license as a school nurse, and I worked with teen moms and their babies in a clinic as I did education for a pediatric nurse practitioner. And then I knew that I really enjoyed the teaching piece of it. And I was able to be a public health nurse consulting, working on immunization policies in our state, and also working with the homeless shelter uh, healthcare initiatives in our state. And that's what really kind of got me in academics is you really do as a nurse, as you know, you really get to do a lot of teaching with your patients, with families, in communities. And that got me into the academics. I was actually taking care of a individual whose daughter, she had adopted a daughter who had some special needs. And I was seeing her every couple of weeks and doing some teaching with her. And she said, you should really get into academics. 
And so I did. I left the practice, if you will, and went into a college setting and taught and, you know, did some leadership positions for about 12 years before I was asked to join Rasmussen. And I've just loved it. We're very innovative here. And we've got a full suite of nursing programs, which is very unique for a university. I always say, John and I say together, we meet our student where they are in life. And some of our students may be only able to give up a year of time for an extra education so they can be a practical nurse. And others want to go right through and grab that bachelor's and hook on to that master's and get their doctorate. And that's their path. So together with John, who has just been an amazing partner at Rasmussen for us to work in the School of Nursing together and really look at how we can be innovative and serve the communities that need nurses so bad. I love this. I mean, I don't know that we're even a minute in and I'm really excited. Good. <laughs> as you spoke about, my background is in pediatrics as well. The high acuity setting, ICU, ER, trauma. And that is where I found my love for education, for nursing education specifically, and the innovation that you talk about and the leadership that you talk about. So I'm really, really excited to hear about some of these different types of offerings that Rasmussen has. I would think that a lot of people now that are interested in entering the field are thinking about ways that they can do that, but outside of what looks like the traditional way of gaining the education that just might not be a fit, you know, just for life. You know, I'd love to hear some big picture things. So John, let's, let's shift back to you for a second. Can you give us, you know, the big picture at Rasmussen University and in general, the school of nursing in terms of size and scope and the mission that's set out there? Yeah, happy to share. And I love that you're picking up on Joan's passion. I share that passion. We're so excited about nursing education specifically, but as much as that, we're just really tickled to be part of an institution that to Joan's point really embraces innovation and really looks for solutions to serve our communities. That's our mission. So, you know, Rasmussen has actually been around for 120 years. A lot of folks don't realize the tenure that we have as an institution. We're in six states, soon to be seven, 23 campuses. We have a full suite of programs, as Joan mentioned. Um, certainly within our School of Nursing, we do something that's incredibly unique. And to her point, really trying to figure out how do we serve our communities and our potential students where and how they want to be served. So there's very few institutions across the United States that have the suite of programs that we do within nursing. So whether it's an LPN or LVN, whether you're looking to get your RN through an associate degree path or a BSN path, maybe you already have your RN and you need to go back and get that BSN through an RN to BSN bridge program, whether you're looking into graduate education through an MSN, DNP, these are the programs in the suite that we've built really under Joan's leadership and done so purposefully because each community has a different need. Each healthcare system within our communities have a different approach and a different need. And our students, to your point, Jana, everybody is coming at trying to figure out work 
and work-life balance and need? And how do they find that personal mission in driving that into their profession? We want to be that solution, whether it's a pre-licensure solution or a post-licensure solution. All of our community members and the communities that we serve deserve that. And so we find ourselves within our institution really meeting the diverse and evolving needs of our communities. And from a nursing vision, our goal is to create the very best safe, competent nurses that our communities have. So if we're doing that, we're living the mission of the institution, we're living the mission of our school of nursing, and in living that mission, we're providing a service to individuals, really what I would call the next generation of nurses. And that's really what we're about and what we're trying to accomplish. That's fantastic. Can you talk a little bit about what sets you apart from other nursing programs? So you spoke about what I'm getting is, you know, the unique offerings that you have at your university. So I'm curious, what does that curriculum look like? And maybe more so the work that you did, because it sounds like you did really good, thoughtful, mindful work about saying, here's our community that we're serving here, are the people that, you know, want to become nurses, want to enter the workforce and contribute in this way. But we recognize that everybody's on a different journey at a different point in their life. And so how do we meet those people? So I'd love to hear about how that's reflected in your curriculum. And, you know, if I was a person listening in, I was thinking about becoming a nurse, but I've got life happening to me in all these different ways. You know, how does Rasmussen fit into that? I'd be happy to share some of our development ideas and how we go about setting our curriculum. John and I are very lucky to have an amazing national advisory board that spans all over the country. And one thing is a common theme. You might think that, for example, you've heard about soft skills, that all nurses need to be better at using soft skills when communicating. And, you know, we think about what a digital age we're in with everybody texting and and they don't teach cursive writing anymore and all the changes that have gone on. But some things never change. And that is the way a patient wants to be addressed and feel the heart and soul of that caregiver, that nurse that's taking care of them. And so that was one theme that we heard from our National Advisory Board. And we have people on it. I was fortunate enough to attend Johns Hopkins for my DNP and have recruited some of the deans and educators from that end. We have one of the largest hospital systems in Illinois, a CNO that has joined us that can give us great feedback about hiring, etc. So I will say on our national advisory board and within our state with our school of nursing advisory boards individually, we get a lot of wonderful feedback of what we need to make sure we're putting into our curriculum. And it's very innovative and we've got an amazing process. We have a curriculum summit for every degree or certificate that we're going to be putting out there. For example, we recently had our doctorate of nursing practice summit as we are going to be rolling out our DNP in January, which we're very excited about. And we've come up with one of our two tracks, which is really exciting. They're both great tracks, but we're gonna be one of a very limited number, maybe two or three other schools that are offering a DNP in public health and policy. So it's a combination. And as we live through this COVID world, 
you would think we had a crystal ball uh, a couple of years ago, but we really didn't. And just looking at the policy changes that need to be made in each state around healthcare, around disasters, whatever may come your way, and how that impacts public health and how you can work together for collaboration. As an example, we had a leader in policy, Dr. Kathy White from Johns Hopkins. She was a part of our summit as an external advisor. So we really do seek out people that have that great experience that can share what's going on. And one item that we put in all of our pre-licensure curriculum that now we're just starting to see states ask for and say we might be requiring this in our curriculum is the care of the older adult. And within the care of the older adult, as we all know, we're living longer. We want to look at not only the normal side of aging, but how we can look at prevention. How does Western and Eastern medicine mix together, et cetera? So, you know, we've added that into our curriculum. We've listened to our hospitals and our other educators around the nation saying we need some help with that. So we're pretty innovative. We always tend to be a little bit ahead and we try and plan for the future. We also, I think our students really feel like they can connect with their faculty. We don't have large lecture halls. Pre-COVID, you had about 24 students in a classroom, which is pretty amazing. So you really get a chance to interact with the faculty. Now, since COVID, and I know, um, you know, that's on everyone's mind now, we're all online. The blessing that we've had at Rasmussen University is that we've always had the ability to be online. We've always been a blend of hybrid and on ground. We've thought of the classes that could easily be done online. And with our online, it's always active online engagement with recorded and live lectures, et cetera. So you're never really feeling like you're out there in cyberspace without any help. But you know, those are some of the things that we are very deliberate looking at when we develop curriculum. And I'll also say we have an amazing curriculum team within the School of Nursing. Uh, we've got an amazing director of curriculum that works with School of Nursing. And we've got some great program chairs and everybody is so positive. And as John mentioned earlier, we really want to make sure we're putting safe, competent nurses. And that's what we really try and do. That's amazing. So I heard a little bit about the adjustment with COVID happening. And unfortunately, none of us are able to get away from that in personal and professional life. So how is that pinning out for you now that it's Sounds from what I'm hearing that getting online and kind of getting that set up in that framework there wasn't too much of a challenge, which is amazing. How is that going so far with your students and your faculty having to shift to a different way of teaching and learning so suddenly, probably? Joan, are you okay if I uh, jump in on this? Please, please. I think that um, second week of March 2020 rained surprise on so many and all in different ways. And every institution across America was challenged to come to the table and try to figure out the solutions 
that they could quickly and deploy the resources that they had to come up with those solutions. We were very fortunate because we are, as Joan mentioned, predominantly what I would call an online institution outside of our residential programs. So we have an incredible foundation for online learning. Our students are used to taking online courses in their general education courses. As Joan mentioned, in some of our didactic courses, it wasn't a hard shift, but it was forced upon us then to the nth degree as everything shut down. And then on top of that, how do you manage through something that everyone was hopeful might take two that turns into six months that's going to turn into a year that may turn into two, right? How do you adjust your thinking and your planning? And a lot of the work that we've done has been in, how do we stay in close communication with boards of nursing? How do we ensure that work that is being done within the classroom meets the expectations of our governing bodies, of our communities, that our program outcomes are met, that the student learning outcomes are met. These are the challenges that every institution is wrestling with. And for us, as Joan mentioned, we were fortunate that we were able to take a large amount of our coursework online, but then we've also been balancing, okay, you have some states and some healthcare systems that are starting to want students back, some don't. Some students want to be involved in the community because that's what they're made to do. Some are scared to be in the community. You have faculty members that land on every side of the spectrum. So a lot of what we're doing is managing expectations, managing outcomes, ensuring that we're meeting the expectations of our programs and our institution and the uh, governing bodies. It's a really interesting matrix that certainly is causing rethinking of nursing education and as it should be. I mean, this, this to me, and Joan, I know that you've got a, a point of view on this as well. This to me is forcing an issue that has needed to be addressed in nursing education. Nobody would ever wish that this would be the manner in which it was forced, but it is causing everyone to think through how do we get the next generation of nurses into our communities as quickly as individuals are retiring and exiting when the population is growing. I and mean, these are the challenges that face nursing education in America. And we're just trying to come up with a solution. So, Joan. Yeah. And of course, one of our biggest challenges has been clinical, right? I mean, you can do your didactic online and you know that you're giving them the knowledge that they need, but what about the skills? How do we validate that they are indeed safe and competent? And we want them to have that clinical experience so they will be safe when they get out there. So we have had to adjust and we purchase additional virtual clinical tools for our students, which have been very well received. And now with COVID, we have them come into the lab, social distance, mass safe, small groups, and make sure they're checked off on their skills so we feel confident. And then we also utilize on-ground campus simulation. And as our clinicals have opened up, they are slowly getting out there. However, you know, a lot of clinical sites are still closed down or they've reduced the number of students that can be there. But we are getting out there again and our students are so excited to go out there. And John and I were talking earlier, I was on a conference this last week 
and where they said the number of applications for nursing and medical school are way up. And we cannot fill the positions fast enough because we have the yin and yang. We have some at the end of their career that have said, you know what? This COVID has really gotten me to think about life and I'm gonna retire now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take my marbles and go home. I've had a great career, I'm done. And then we have others that say, oh my goodness, I'm watching the news. I'm seeing all the challenges. I wanna be a nurse. I'm passionate about care in the community and they're applying like crazy. So it's really an interesting time that we're living in to really look at reevaluating nursing education. Yeah, that's really quite interesting. I did read a study with some of that data to show that peaked interest, right? Where maybe we couldn't quite predict what that was going to look like if it was going to turn people off you know, from nursing and entering the healthcare workforce, or if it was going to drive people in. And it is great to see that we are seeing that drive that happens. And I think it piggybacks off some points that you both have made. And you said innovative a lot. And I love that because for me, I'm a huge advocate for leadership and nursing, but not even in the traditional sense, right? Like let's start when they're students, let's start to embed that innovation, then that leadership, then, and you know, fortunately and unfortunately, to John's point too, this pandemic, right? What are we going to do about it? How do we all come together and fix it? And nurses, I always feel like, are so uniquely positioned, even as students, even as somebody who's maybe watching this unfold on TV, to say that I want to participate and I want to help and I want to contribute and I have ideas. And at schools just like yourself, that really helps them to make that a reality. So that's fantastic. And just keeping on COVID for a little while, I would love to get both of your perspectives. I know, John, you talked about your father was a physician and you're in healthcare education right now. Joan, you're a nurse. I would love to hear your thoughts about what this COVID crisis has revealed in our healthcare system and some key steps that you think need to be taken to strengthen that. You know, I I think one of the ahas is what we kind of mentioned earlier. There's a new engaged passion for healthcare in many ways. Or we have the other result saying, you know what? I'm gonna retire, I'm gonna go. So I think one area we need to constantly look at, we've always talked about the nursing shortage, but I truly think we're going to be seeing that going forward. This nursing shortage is not going away. When you look at the replacement of nurses that we need, that is pretty clear across the country that we're going to be needing nurses. I also think that it has got the educational systems to relook and refocus at how we're doing education. And we talk about being innovative. And one of the things we do have a CBE, competency-based education, for our RNWSN, for our MSN, and for our DNP. And as you know, as a nurse, competencies are nothing new for nurses. You have to meet certain competencies. So I look at COVID, you know, you look at the death rate, you look at the college age super spreaders, you look at so many factors that have impact healthcare over the last nine months, and you can't help but know that you must realign. I'm hopeful we're going to have a national mass mandate. We need to do that, in my opinion, as a nurse and 
with my public health background. I believe we need that. And I believe that if everyone masked and did social distance and washed their hands, that we could get through this so much quicker than we're dragging this on as a nation and as a global pandemic. So I really do believe public health is going to come to a forefront. When you look at COVID, I think there's going to be a renewed interest. I'm really excited about our DNP, but I uh, also think public health nursing is going to be another very positive field for people to go in. And, you know, COVID has really changed people's priorities in life. And I think it's a good thing. Nobody wished, as John said earlier, nobody would wish COVID on anyone, but it really has gotten everyone to step back a little bit and reflect on where they are in their own personal life, family life, professional life, and certainly as a healthcare in our nation. I just think that what what you hear and what you get from this type of conversation is engaging because Joan and I just come to the same question from different directions. So you heard her public health perspective, and I really come to that question from an operations perspective. So as I think about what has our healthcare industry experienced, we're seeing a true reflection on a lean industry that as soon as something big has come along, we see challenges. We see some hospital systems going bankrupt, going out of business. We see a lack of staffing. We see a lack of PPE. Our supply chain has been disrupted. COVID has brought to light some of the challenges that when we have an industry that is running either lean or some might say too lean, you're going to have challenges. And so that's one of the things that we've seen as we've looked into the crystal ball. And it's not even a crystal ball. Everybody knows as we look at retirement rates, as we look at demand, as we look at an aging population, there's a real challenge ahead. So COVID was on us like this, which brought up really interesting deal with it now scenarios. We actually have the luxury of seeing what's ahead and seeing the, you know, folks, the bridge is out up ahead. And we need to figure out how to either find a new road, build the bridge before we get there, or start to pace ourselves in such a way that somebody can. And so I think all of those are the challenges that COVID has kind of brought to the healthcare industry in and of itself. And and, uh, it's fascinating just to see the innovation everywhere that people need to bring to the table in order to come up with new solutions. Yeah. That's fantastic. And I'm I'm so, again, just so happy that you both have been so willing to share and sounds like you're doing really beautiful shaking up in nursing education and really securing the future. And I appreciate that as a registered nurse. I appreciate that as an educator. So I'm excited to hear it. Now, you know that we have a lot of students that are listening right now, a lot of people that are early in their career that are health professionals. And I would love to hear what your advice to them is about meeting the challenges of this moment and approaching their career in healthcare. So John, if you want to take that first and Joan. Sure. I think that individuals that are successful in their career are individuals who have been able to align their vocation with their advocation, their calling, with their livelihood. And 
I think there's a reason that the nursing profession is typically the most trusted profession in the world. I think it's because many nurses are following their heart and really going into something that they are called to do. I think that's the biggest charge, the biggest challenge to the next generation of nurses or individuals that are just entering that profession is keep following your heart and following the charge to take care of others, to do what is that thing that fills you up. And then my challenge would be in that practice, don't give until the well is dry. I have worked with so many incredible nursing educators and seen so many nurses that are so intent on taking care of others that they take care of others to the detriment of themselves. So make sure you're taking time to stay healthy, to fill the well, to get the rest and refreshing that you need. It's not easy. It's not even easy in our institution. As Joan and I are trying to lead an incredible group of professionals and we're asking them to give and give and give for our students and because the pace is just unrelenting right now. But we all have a responsibility to try to encourage each other to do that because, you know, somebody that's sick can't take care of somebody else very well. So, Joan? John, that was great. And uh, sometimes we say we share a brain together, and I couldn't agree more that really you have to have that passion for nursing. I would say the challenge is please don't go into nursing because there's a nursing shortage and the pay is good. I would say, please avoid that because I know there are people that need that job and are wondering what to do, but I always had that passion. I'm sure you did too, Jonah, but you must have that passion in your heart. And I'm a person of faith and I believe you go where your heart leads and you do the best you can every day because that's what nurses do. And um, I think John said it all. Well, thank you both for that advice. And thank you so much, John and Joan, both of you for being with us today. Thank you for having us. It's a pleasure. Absolutely. And I'm Jana Emil. Thanks for checking out today's show. Remember to do your part to flatten the curve and raise the line. We're all in this together. For more information on how you can help raise the line and flatten the curve, go to osmosis.org slash COVID-19. If you like this podcast, please share it on your social channels. You can also subscribe to the series and check out all of our podcasts at osmosis.org slash raise the line podcast. <laughs>